Hi, everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of learning. I'm Ryan Rudzeski, here with Greg Baer. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Heather Weiss, the founder and director of the Global Family Research Project. Heather writes, speaks, and advises on programs and policies that affect children and families. Previously, she was the executive director of the Harvard Family Research Project, where she envisioned and worked toward transforming the role of family and community engagement in education reform, early childhood education, and after-school programming. Heather, welcome to Remaking Tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you very much, Greg and Ryan. The role of the Global Family Research Project is to help educators, nonprofits, schools, and others figure out how to engage families, how to elevate the role of families in what you call the ecology of learning. So let's start with some definitions. Heather, what are we talking about when we talk about family engagement, and what does that engagement do for kids in the spaces where they learn? When I think about family engagement and how to define it, I think about it first in terms of the roles that families play in the learning ecology. And many of these roles are familiar, but families don't always have the opportunity and support to engage in them. We think about families as teachers and in early childhood supporting their kids' reading and math development. We think about families as partners with teachers in schools and kind of two-way communication back and forth between teachers and families. They're also increasingly playing the co-learner role. And in the digital age, finding themselves learning from their children as well as teaching their children. They're also data analysts and decision makers in the sense that they're the ones that get the report cards and work with their kids and teachers to understand the meaning of the data and what are some of the action steps that follow from it in order to support their child's strengths and maybe work on any areas where they need some extra work. There are also networkers and community builders through all kinds of activities connected to schools. And with the pandemic, one of the things that I found interesting, in addition to efforts to increase the communication between families and teachers, is also schools reaching out to connect families with each other so they can share tips on how to support their kids' learning, grieve and get support from each other in a terrible time. A number of changes we've seen and that we write about in a paper where we talk a lot about family engagement, which I'll mention in a minute, is the importance of family advocacy. So I'm laying out the roles and kind of the behaviors And then implicit in that are the ways in which schools and other institutions provide support, information, resources to enable families to play those roles. Heather, you have been a cornerstone of the family engagement movement for decades. And in fact, I've learned so much from you about scaffolding learning and the role of parents, families, and caregivers as genuine learning allies in a way that you've just described. So there's so much potential if we seriously engage families. Much of this work for you began under the auspices of the Harvard Family Research Project. Can you talk about some of the foundational learnings of your own work and that's pivoted you forward? One of the things I recognized early on at the Harvard Family Research Project, or HFRP, was that research is necessary but not sufficient. 
So we always tried to be looking at the research, but with an eye toward how do you take that research and what works and incorporate it into practice and then scale it up. So it is in multiple places and therefore adding to its superpower in terms of supporting kids' learning and development. I wanna talk about four images that tell the story of what I think we have learned in family engagement and a little bit tell the story about its evolution over time. And while I'm talking about these images, I hope listeners will be thinking about what was key for you in growing up. How did your family help you build your learning pathway? You know, what did they do when you were little? What did they do when you were in middle school and high school? And how did schools support your families in trying to do it? And the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, a church. My first image is what I call the box model. My second image is Russian dolls. So if you think about a, a nest of Russian dolls with a little one in the middle and bigger ones growing on the outside. And then my third image is of pathways and pipelines. And my fourth is really an old proverb. And the box model is kids learn only in school. The key relationship is between teachers and students and learning starts when kids start school. Now it's an obsolete model, but in some ways, sometimes our thinking is caught in it. And part of the challenge has been for us at the Harvard Family Research Project and now the Global Family Research Project is to help make people not just make changes in their thinking about this, but begin to make changes in actions. In the Russian doll image, I turned to somebody, a developmental psychologist who I had the good fortune to work for right out of graduate school, Yuri Bronfenbrenner, who wrote a seminal book called The Ecology of Human Development in the early 1970s. So he and others were very important, for example, in creating Head Start and in influencing the first federal education legislation, the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, to include a set-aside for family engagement. So their thinking has been permeating to some extent what we've been doing for a long time. So if we think about the Russian dolls, we've got the child in the center, this little single doll in the center, surrounded by a child and a family in Yuri's conceptual model of human development, and then family supported by teachers, schools, the church, any number of organizations that support them and support their engagement with their kids' learning and development. And then an outer ring, if you will, of organizations and public policies that provide the resources that support that whole enterprise. And we appreciate that sense of that learner in the center, surrounded by all sorts of caring adults. And you're right that it's a complete mindset for communities, for families themselves, to think about that broader learning landscape that's many, many, many boxes, certainly not just one in the form of school. You have a third image taking us to pathways and pipelines. What do you mean by that? Most of the institutions in the second ring I described change in and out, or the people in them change in and out. The family is really the institution that is with the child for the longest. So that flips then to this pathway image. So take a cross section of that whole stacked doll. 
and you've got a child in the center surrounded by family, and then as you just articulated, all of the other kinds of supports, and then turn that into a pipeline or a pathway from birth through adulthood. And what you've got then is the ingredients that I think research confirms are essential for kids to successfully make it through a learning pathway to a life that has fulfilling work, fulfilling relationships, and fulfilling commitments to family and community. We switch to this notion with the help of developmental science and recognize that family engagement is critical across a learning pathway, which then in policy terms mean we move from just random acts of family engagement. We now move to say, all right, we've got to build in family engagement, developmentally appropriate in terms of the child's age, across the pipeline or the pathway, if you will, from birth through high school and beyond. We've got to be strategic about it. We've got to understand anywhere, anytime learning. Kids learn anywhere, anytime from birth on. And I think fundamentally, we have to think about it as a shared responsibility. And that's explicit in Yuri's model. It isn't the child and the family and you're on your own. It's your child and the family and the supports with which they are surrounded that then enable that family engagement and help build the pipeline to success for kids. There's a fourth image when I think about where we are now with family and community engagement. And that image is that African proverb that we know works. Congresswoman and former National Teacher of the Year, Johanna Hayes, was talking about the importance of family engagement and of families as active partners in their children's education. Noting that in the midst of pandemic learning losses, and I quote her, it's going to take the entire village to get our kids back on track. This is Greg Baer along with Ryan Rudzeski. We're talking with Heather Weiss, the founder and director of the Global Family Research Project. Heather, we're in the midst of what in many ways is the largest ever experiment in family engagement, which is the coronavirus and the consequent shutdown of many schools and learning sites worldwide. None of this was planned, and educators and families have had to suddenly rethink how they reached each other. So as a researcher, this has got to be overwhelming on one hand. So much of it has been difficult and tragic, but it's also, we'd guess, an opportunity to ask all sorts of new questions about the roles of families in learning. Can you tell us what you've learned so far during the pandemic? I think we've all suffered in many, many ways from the pandemic, and everybody has been doing the best they can, including schools and communities. And we've had waves of interest in family engagement. I've been at this for decades, and I can tell you decades where we held our own and then some where we made more progress. But the pandemic is really created not waves, but a tsunami of change. It's a real opportunity to emerge from this with a real commitment to creating that pathway, if you will. Heather, can you tell us about what worked? Are there strategies, methods, or ideas that you hope stick around when you think about tomorrow and a post-pandemic future? So we've been trying in the last year to talk to people that are making major models and changes during the pandemic. 
We've asked our readers to send us their stories of how they've been pivoting and adopting new practices or heightening old ones during the pandemic. And schools and teachers reaching out to families, really connecting with them and creating regular two-way communication with everything from how to get on to Zoom and help your kid to get on to Zoom to things you can do at home to support your child's learning to how are you today? I know it's been a hard week for you and your kids. So the two-way communication has been amazing in many places, done by teachers and supported by schools. I think a second element, and it's something that I mentioned before that I have found really interesting is schools connecting families with each other. And then I think a third element of it is the amazing outreach to community organizations to ensure that families' basic needs and needs for digital access are met. We have heard hundreds of stories about, you know, schools working with food banks to include curriculum packets and learning materials and food available at pantries and delivered to families. We highlighted in our website the story of the New York Hall of Science, a science museum that really pivoted in major ways to connect with families. They already had been doing some exemplary family engagement practices, but up some of those in the pandemic and really worked with other organizations in one of the hardest areas in the country hit by the pandemic in New York City. So I come away from this really, really impressed at what a lot of places have done. And out of it, we've understood the value of families. We're now transitioning, I think, from many, many years or decades of well-intentioned people, including myself, saying, all right, we're gonna do two and four families, to saying, no, we're gonna work with families to co-create family engagement. That's the transition we wrote about in our Carnegie Challenge paper. And I think it's a transition that has been really accelerated by the pandemic. The New Teacher Project recently did a brief publication looking at it, and they mentioned Richmond Parish in Louisiana, where the school board you know, had to come up with some kind of reopening plan in the spring of 2020. And they did, and then they realized we really need to have strong community engagement if we're gonna be able to reopen. So they created a community engagement advisory panel that provided them feedback on their plan and a lot of input how to improve it. And they went to a lot of trouble to get a whole range of players from many of the organizations I've described, including churches within their community to come to the table to be part of this advisory panel. And the result of it was they're going to continue it to help them rebuild and reinvent what they're doing around schooling and family and community engagement. Heather, can you give us one or two examples of where educators are engaging families particularly well? What are they doing differently and what changes has that engagement enabled? One is the whole movement toward teacher home visits to families. And one of the places that they have been done at a fairly large scale is Washington, D.C., where teachers of kids in elementary school would visit families at home or perhaps at a restaurant and get to know each other, begin to build a relationship. The evaluation of that showed that when these parents and teachers had met through these home visits, 
family engagement increased and the relationship with the teacher heightened and there were more frequent communications. And that had some impact on kids learning and development. Another example, and it's a favorite of mine, is from a, an economist at the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard, Todd Rogers. And Todd recognized that one of the key contributors to kids' success is family engagement, so he wanted to work in the space. So his first entry was to create an app that provided text messages to families of kids in Boston who were in a summer credit recovery program. So these young people needed to, you know, basically go to summer school to get the credits they needed to graduate from high school. So what Todd did was track their attendance at the program and send text messages to parents. And it was an experiment. So some parents didn't get the messages or got something that didn't pertain to the kids' attendance. And then other families got the attendance information. And what happened was the families that got the in-the-moment information about the fact their kid wasn't at the recovery program had conversations with their kids. And in fact, at the end of it, the kids that had had the intervention got the benefit of the program and were much more likely to graduate from high school. But buried in an economics journal where Todd talks about this was something I found intriguing. And that was that it looked like from anecdotal evidence that the information to the parent that enabled them to act quickly to get their kid to attend the program also created conversations at home between the parent and the child about, you know, how's it going? What are you finding hard about this? How does it fit into what you want to do, you know, when you finish high school? Real conversations between parents and kids that I would suggest are equally important in helping that young person stay on the pathway. Heather, thank you so much. How can people find out more about the work you're doing, more about the work of the Global Family Research Project? Come to our website and tell your stories. And I do tweet, and I also have people that tweet for me, but I would like to acknowledge thousands of people that I have met over four decades of work who have built what I'm talking about. We've had the pleasure and the privilege of being able to lift up work. So Heather, before we go, just one more question, please. What's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? I think it would be two steps. One would be to talk with their child or their young person about what it's been like in the pandemic and how they think they've grown, where they think maybe they've lost some learning opportunities. And then the second step would be to connect with the child's teacher in school to find out how I, as a mom or a dad or an uncle or a grandmother, and my child could work with the school to recover some lost learning and create new learning opportunities. So it's a long-winded answer, but I would start centered again where I did with Yuri, and that's with the child and the family and the conversation between the adults and the young people, and then build out from that to engaging with the teacher in the school about what together they can do to move the narrative from, oh my God, we're lost here, we've lost a generation of kids, to saying, no, we haven't. 
We have a superpower in families, kids, communities, and schools that are going to turn that around. Learn more about Heather's work at globalfrp.org. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning, a Pittsburgh-based network of people and organizations that ignite engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. Learn more at remakelearning.org tomorrow.